Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Won't you open your Bibles to the book of Titus? We're in the book of Titus and we're, uh, we're studying through the book of Titus for just a little while. And, uh, and this is our second part, our second time to be in the book of Titus. And so uh, this is part two. And my title for tonight in uh, Titus part two is a strange title, but it's entitled Ordained and Disappointed. <laughs> what in the world could I be talking about? Ordained and Disappointed. Wow. Uh, ordained and disappointed. What in the world could he be talking about? Well, you know, the Bible does not give us every step that was made by the apostles. The Bible, the New Testament, does not give us everything that was done and everything they did and all the details that they, that they, uh, of, of, of their journeys as they were endeavoring to fulfill the Great Commission. Many of the details, many of the places, many of the people, and many of the events that we read about in the New Testament are absent some of the details. They're missing, uh, things are missing from the narratives that the Holy Spirit chose to reveal to us. And, and uh, as, as, as the Word of God says, if everything was written that was done, all the books in the world would not be able to contain all the things that, that were done by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, by, by the Word, uh, uh, you know, in, 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 in the lives of people. So uh, it's not meant that every step be recorded here by the Apostle Paul or by Luke, uh, you know, the beloved physician. Uh, or by Matthew. No one records everything. And through the centuries, manuscripts have been collected and poured over by brilliant, God-fearing men and women who were given this heart, this appetite to study the Word of God in a concerted effort to know everything we can know, putting scriptures together with scriptures and, and you know, different events and you know, everything and looking back in history and archaeology. They have been working feverishly for centuries trying to give us and trying to, to, to deliver an accurate picture of the Bible, as, of, of, of the Word of God that we hold so dear to us because we really want to understand that first generation of, of Christians. We want to understand that first generation church. Why? Because they are the snapshot for us. The, the, they are the ones that God used as a pattern for us. You know, the Old Testament's 4,000 years, give or take. The New Testament is only 40 years. 40 years of, 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 of you know, the, the church, of one home group taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all their known world. How did they do it? We want to know. How were they empowered? What did they do? How, you know, and, and so God gave us this inspired word that the Holy Spirit moved in the hearts of men to, to record these things for us. And God anointed it with his Holy Spirit in power, anointed the word. That's what, you know, Acts uh, 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 says, it, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost in power. He's the word. God anoints his word with his spirit and power. And so allow me tonight uh, to draw on some of the wisdom some of the reflection, some of the anointing of much more learned scholars and theologians than what uh, I shall ever be. Uh, but scholars in this past centuries have really offered us some reasonable considerations how events unfolded in the Bible. We don't know everything. We can't know everything. 
But there are some things that we can reasonably, uh, you know, um, um, I don't want to say imagine, but reasonably suppose to put these things together uh, in, in some understandable uh, um, a, a way. And so allow me, if you would, to offer some, some things and some of the events leading up to uh, the Apostle Paul's writing of his letter to Titus since we are studying Titus, uh, uh, you know, some things, if I am allowed, that I might suppose, some things that had to have occurred in order for, the, for the, the things that we read to be real, we do know that Paul had to get from Rome, you know, to Crete. Well, it doesn't tell us about that journey. But we do know enough of the points on the map that we should be able to draw some logical lines. Does that make any sense? Uh, so, uh, number one, uh, I, I want you to realize that the Jews who were from the island of Crete, these Jews, the Bible says, went to Jerusalem at Pentecost. The Jews which lived on the island of Crete, and Crete is important because Titus was living in Crete when he received this letter from the Apostle Paul. And the Jews which were living there, many of them had heard about Jesus because they were in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Acts 2 verse 11 says that there were people there from Crete. And no doubt they took the gospel of Jesus Christ back to the island and, 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 and they shared it. I mean, they had been gotten born again in the streets of Jerusalem and they had been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and they went back home and no doubt witnessed. And so there were probably people all over this island that knew about Jesus. And, and uh, you know, not only that, but the apostle Paul uh, stopped there uh, or, or at least sailed close to there, but he, but, but he stopped in Crete after he had been arrested and was being taken to the Roman prison, the ship stopped in Crete for a little while and then it took back off. But it wasn't there long enough for the apostle Paul to have, to have done anything to really help the churches. Instead, he recognized that they needed help. And so he goes on and he goes to prison in Rome. But, but uh, you know, we have to imagine that at some point the apostle Paul was released from prison in Rome during what is called his first imprisonment in about the year 63 or 64 AD. And when the apostle Paul was released, he had a clear intention that he was going to do a couple of things. He had already written some letters while he was in prison and he had told a man named Philemon, I am going to come to Colossae and I'm going to see you get a room ready for me. I'm going to come visit you. And he had also written while he was in Rome in prison, he had written what we have as the Phil, uh, uh, letter to the Philippians, the Philippines. He had written to the Philippines. No, he had written to, to uh, the church in Philippi. And he said, listen, I intend on coming and seeing you. Now, Colossae, if you were looking at a, at, at a, at a map here, in fact, would, would you, would you uh, uh, put up, uh, there, there's a first map, a first little thing there. Okay, see where Turkey is, okay? Colossae, if you, if you looked at that T-U-R, uh, if you brought that R right a straight down line all the way down past where Samos is, toward Rhodes, right there where that juts in, uh, th that first jut, that's where Colossae is. He said, I'm going to go, I'm gonna, you get a room ready, Philemon, I'm going to come and visit you. So we know that he was, he, he was intending to leave Rome and go there. 
And then he also was going to go right over here close to Athens, right across the Aegean Sea, because that's where Philippi is, just north there. So he was going to go to Greece and he was going to go to Turkey. But for some reason, and it's left out, what happened is that when he sailed from Rome, which is over here, he stopped by Crete. He stopped there in Crete because he says to Titus, I left you in Crete. Well, in order to leave somebody somewhere, you got to take them there, okay? And so, I mean, you know, not everything is written, but these points, we should be able to connect the dots here. Does that make any sense? There are a lot of dots that we do have to connect. And, and it's clearly his intention to visit Colossae, clearly his intention to visit Philippi, and, uh, and Titus and Timothy are with him. And so somehow the ship stops in Crete, either as its destination or as taking on supplies. And the apostle Paul must have recognized that the churches needed some help. Okay? Because later on we're going to read that he left Titus there to help the churches. Crete is one of the largest islands. I'll show you a couple of, uh, a, a few pictures here. You can go ahead and scroll through them. Crete is one of the largest of, of five largest islands in all of that area in Mediterranean. In fact, uh, Crete is about 150 miles long, 155 miles long, and anywhere from five miles to 35 miles wide there. That's what it looks like in a satellite photo. And, it, and, and y'all saw right where it was. If you drew an equilateral triangle from, uh, from Ephesus, all the way over to Athens and down to Crete, well, that's, it would be, it would, you know, those would be about 200-mile legs on that equilateral triangle. And so uh, Crete being that largest city, uh, excuse me, that largest island in that area, uh, it, it, it really was a very important place. And also, if you went south from Crete, 200 miles, you would be in Libya, which is in North Africa. So it's really just positioned really in a, in a, in a real great place. And, and uh, you know, Paul saw the great need there. And Paul was moved. You can continue to scroll through those pictures. Uh, just, just, these are just some pictures of Crete. Isn't that pretty? Oh, who wouldn't want to go there and minister, huh? Yeah, send me, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Uh, look at that. The fields, beautiful, you know, snow on the mountains. Look at this. Uh, yeah, can you imagine? Crete had 100 cities in this time. They boasted themselves of having 100 cities on this island. And they were so excited about it. And no doubt every one of these cities needed a good church. Here are some of the archaeological ruins from that time. And so, um, you know, uh, we ended up being moved by the Holy Spirit, and he left Titus there. And then most likely he went on over to Colossae first. And uh, then at some point he sent Timothy to Ephesus, and the Apostle Paul went on to Greece. And he ended up going uh, to Philippi. And then later on he is down in Greece, in Macedonia, in a place called Nicopolis in about A.D. 63-64. Okay? And it's from Necropolis. Paul has just left Titus in Crete. He's just left Timothy in Ephesus. And he is in Greece. And he decides, I need to write my boys a letter. And he wrote the letter that we have as Titus 
and the letter that we have as 1 Timothy, he wrote these in relatively the same time from the same place in Greece. And he's writing them and he's telling them what they need to do to encourage the churches, to instruct the churches, to make sure that, that, that the churches weren't just floundering and they weren't just loosely organized, but that they had some spiritual leadership and that they had some similar standards, similar standards of, 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 um, um, uh, of expectations of life. And so uh, the Apostle Paul writes these two letters. There are a few alternate considerations as to the dates, but no one contends that these things happened. And we are left just with the letters that Paul wrote. So we know last week we began studying the book of Titus and we did verses one, two, and three. And so this week uh, we will uh, do at least four. Are you ready? We'll, we'll do more. Let me just recap the first part of verse one. Titus chapter one, verse one, the first part of that. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. We covered uh, those things last week. But just to let you know that Paul is writing this and uh, verse four, he's writing it as we begin verse four tonight in our study. To Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our Savior, I like that. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Peace from God, peace from Jesus, and I want you to know he is our Savior and we share in a common faith. Paul is writing to Titus. Do you know what the word Titus means? His name means nurse. You know, isn't that interesting? Yeah, <laughs> I find it interesting that he was left to take care of some churches and his name means nurse. Who better could you leave? Uh, a true son. What the apostle Paul is saying about Titus is that he is my spiritual son. Whether the apostle Paul led him to the Lord or whether the apostle Paul adopted him, this my son in the faith, my son, means this, that the apostle Paul has taken on a spiritual fatherhood relationship with this young man named Titus. And the Apostle Paul has decided that he is going to provide the nurturing, the admonition, the instruction, the correction for Titus as though Titus were his own son or his adopted son. It's a family relationship, a spiritual family relationship that he's talking about here. And it's, and, and, and it's a man, the Apostle Paul, making a commitment to another young man that I am going to lead you, I'm going to, to, to be a father to you, I'm going to take the spiritual care I'm going to instruct you and raise you so that you can be full grown in the Lord. He says, this common faith that we share, it is, it is a partnership in our faith, in our trust toward God. It's a common faith. We have a common faith. All of us have a common faith. We share a common faith in Christ. We share this common faith with believers all over the world, all over our community. Tonight, churches are meeting. This weekend, churches will be meeting. They'll be meeting, you know, the Baptist, uh, 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 Methodist, uh, Church of Christ, Catholics, Episcopalians, Lutherans, you know, Assembly of God, UPC, you know, interdenominational. I mean, all kinds of churches will be meeting here and all over the world. And with those churches, we share a common faith. That means that we believe the same thing. 
We believe that Jesus Christ, Son of God, only Son of God, Savior of the world, that he lived a sinless life, he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and is coming again. And that he is the only way to salvation, the only name given among men whereby they must be saved. We all believe the same thing. We believe in eternal judgment. We believe in him coming again. We believe that God is a good God. We have a common faith. And that's what he's talking about. He said here to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. You're a true son. You believe what I believe. You're a true son. You hold a doctrine that I hold. You're a true son. I have begotten you or I have adopted you. I have taken the care of you. We are a spiritual family in that we believe the same thing, a common faith. Grace, mercy, and peace, he said. You know, this is the same, very same thing he wrote to Timothy. If you were to read 1 Timothy, he's writing him at the same time, and he's writing these two boys, his sons in the faith, as he calls them, and he says to them the same thing. And in 1 Timothy, you know, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, grace, you know, peace and mercy be to you. I mean, it, it's, it's the same salute to each one of them. Why? Because it's on his heart. It's what a father desires for his children and his sons, that the grace of God would be with them and that they would have peace. You know what peace means? Peace means that you don't have to be afraid of God. That's what peace means. That's what this means, that it is a, that, that it is a shield, it's, it, 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 it's getting a, 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 a get out of hell free card. We don't have to be afraid. You have peace because you don't have to fear being slapped up the side of the head by God. And he's hoping that they will have that kind of peace with them, a peace that passes all understanding. Not that everything's okay, and not that I'm happy with everything in life, and not that I want it to happen again, and not that, you know, uh, you know I, I, I wake up all peachy and creamy. But rather that I am not afraid of God, and I am not ashamed to call him my Lord and Savior, because I know that he is God, and I have a peace, grace. I have I have. You know, a, an unmerited favor with God. Something I didn't earn. Something I was given. Something because I have faith in him that has become mine. And I have peace with God. Because of the mercy that I have received. Man, God is merciful. Verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete. That's how we know the Apostle Paul had to be there. Because again, you can't leave something if you're not there. Okay. For this reason, I left you in Crete on that island with a hundred cities. This is the reason I left you there on that island that had once received perhaps uh, 35 years ago had received the gospel of Jesus Christ after the day of Pentecost. That, that same island by which I had stopped by and other ministers had been by and, and saw the great need for this reason. This is the reason I left you there. I saw a great need. I left you there to meet a need. I left you there that you should set in order that you should bring some structure, that, 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 that this concept of setting an order means that you would complete, that you would add to, that you would help, that you would, that, that, that you would provide structure and order, that you would make them secure. This is the reason I left you there, that you would set in order the things that are lacking, 
that you would add, that you would complete them. They have some things. They love Jesus and, 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 and they're having meetings, and they're, but, but, but there are some things that they need and they need some order. They need some structure. They need to make sure this thing lasts longer than just that one generation, longer than just a church service, longer than just a move. It doesn't need to be a fad. It doesn't need to be a trend. We need to bring some order, some structure. There are a few things lacking and I'm leaving you there so that you can add to them. You can complete them. You can keep them secure. And that you can appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Oh. You know, Paul here is writing in verse 5, the apostle Paul begins to go back over the instructions that he had no doubt already given verbally to Titus. I don't think Paul got off the ship Spent time in Crete with Titus, looking around, seeing the need, and said, stay here and got on the boat. I'll write you later and tell you what to do. I don't think he did that. I think he had a plan, and he told Titus what to do. He said, listen, what we need to do is bring some order and some structure. I'm going to leave you here, and I want you to complete them. I want you to add to them. I want you to make them more secure. I want you to bring into order some things that are lacking, and I want you to appoint elders in every city. Well, there are 100 cities. <laughs> well... Okay, even if it's every city that has the gospel, you know how the gospel goes, about like Coca-Cola. I mean, it's everywhere, okay? I want you to, to appoint elders in every city. Now, this word appoint is, is the Greek word that we also get the word ordained from. In fact, you know, I think the King James uses the word ordain, that you might ordain elders in every city. Ordain. Ordain is one of those religious, woo, 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 woo. Doesn't a point sound better? A point sounds easier, doesn't it? I want you to ordain. Now, the picture we get of ordination is hands being laid on and, 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 and a great group of, you know, uh, people standing around and, and this spiritual moment and, you know, uh, oh, heaven, whoa, boom, ordained. But that's not the picture that the Bible gives us of ordination. That is the picture that centuries of the church have given us. It's evolved into something that is not biblical, a biblical picture. Not that it's God doesn't like it and not that it's not respected, but it has evolved into something that we do in a public ceremony that is not a problem with God, not at all, but it is not something that we see in the ordinations in the Word. Does that make sense? Some Old Testament uh, um, pictures of Moses asking God to put his spirit upon them and, and, you know, and, and also ordaining of the priest and uh, some rituals that were done in the Old Testament are, are, are also carried over into a New Testament uh, uh, idea. But this is not that idea. This particular idea is a literal appointment. An appointment that you would appoint, that you would ordain, that you would set in, that you would set over, that... Uh, 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 you know, in the sense of Acts chapter 6, 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 that when the number of disciples had multiplied, there, 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 there arose some problems in the church because there weren't enough people to take care of the daily food distribution. And so the apostles, they said to all of the young disciples in the church, they said, listen, you choose out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that we may appoint over the food distribution. That word appoint, exactly the same Greek word as this word, appoint. That we may literally appoint. You choose them out from among you and you make sure they meet these qualifications. And if they meet these qualifications, then they qualify to be over the food distribution in the church. We call them deacons. Okay? The appointment, the ordination of deacons, the appointment, the ordination of elders, the appointment, the ordination of overseers. The word elder here does not mean someone who has a position. Literally, it means older, more mature, more experienced. Literally, it, 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 it means uh, just what it means, elder. Settled, experienced, trusted, older. It, it doesn't uh, have a connotation of someone who has a position. He's telling him, Look around in the churches. Go to the cities. Go to the churches where the believers are meeting. And I want you to look around and observe. I want you to question. I want you to ask. I want you to watch. And I want you to look around at mature, experienced, older uh, uh, people. And I want you... If they meet these qualifications, I want you to appoint some in every church so that the church can begin to have structure. So the church can begin to be more secure because the church is lacking some things. They're lacking some structure. They're lacking leadership. They're lacking security. And they need some people to stand up and shoulder some responsibilities just like they did in Jerusalem. They need somebody to stand up and say, I'll take care of that. I will be that. I will accept that. And that's what we call the appointed here, the ordained leadership. The apostle Paul had done this with, with uh, 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 his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas in verse 23. And when they had ordained elders in every city. Okay. Uh, I mean, th th this is what he had done. He's just following the pattern here of what Jesus had done. That he got a group of men together and he appointed them. He said, okay, one day there were a bunch of them together. There were, you know, 70 or more of them together. And the Bible said Jesus chose 12 men. And he appointed them. He chose them. He selected them. He understood what they were. He knew who they were. And he chose them to be with him and to be responsible to shoulder the burden with him and to send them out to preach, to represent. And that's what this is. This appointment is to a position of responsibility. That more than just being a church goer, the church has to have some church pillars, some church leaders, in order for it to be stable and secure. A church that does not have leadership is lacking. 
It's insecure. And that's what Paul saw on Crete. Is that making any sense? Okay. Appointed. The appointments require three things. Number one, they require relationship. To be appointed, you must have a relationship. The Bible says, know those that labor among you in the Lord. The Bible says, don't lay hands on any man suddenly. The Bible says, you don't want to be partakers of other men's sins. So it takes a relationship to receive an appointment. Okay? To receive, uh, to, to receive an appointment, uh, 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 you know, to work the information desk requires relationship. We don't let visitors work the information desk. Why? Because we don't know them. They allowed to be squirrely. They may not have a common faith. They may believe that Buddha's the guy. We don't know. Hello? It takes relationship. Choose out from among you seven men of honest. Choose out from among you. Choose out from the people that are among you that you have a relationship, that, 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 that you know, that because it takes relationship. Uh, and, and, and number two, it takes recognition. It takes recognition that, that number one, the, 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 the ordaining or the appointing authority has to recognize that you are capable and you have to recognize that you have a desire to do that. Before you can work the information desk, we ought to make sure that you're capable, that you're not just completely stupid. Hello, that you know where the restrooms are so that you can at least point. <laughs> oh, come on, this is good stuff. And number two, you have to recognize a desire to do it. The Bible says if a man desire the office of a bishop, you have to desire it. You have to want to work the information desk. Okay? Before you can be appointed over the information desk. And we have to believe that you're capable. And that you're committed. There has to be a recognition. And number three, there has to be a representation. If you're going to work the information desk at Church on the Rock, you're going to have to re represent Church on the Rock. When a visitor comes in and, 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 and asks, you know, uh, what time the preaching is, you can't be sending them down to the Second Baptist Church. It's a representation. You have to represent the one that appointed you. If you go to work for Mary Kay Cosmetics, then you don't need to be selling Betty Crocker when you're out there. Hello? If you receive an appointment to do anything, you have to represent the person or the company or the entity that appointed you. If you start representing someone else, then you have breached the appointment. Yeah, that's good. That's good. If you stop having relationships, you have breached the appointment. Okay? If you start hating me or our church or Sue or Tina, you can't work the information desk anymore. Okay? I'm sorry, but it takes a relationship for you to work. If you're going to work for Tina, you're going to have to have a relationship with her. If you decide that you're going to come here and work the information desk and then, you know, go somewhere else when the preaching starts, we're not having that. It takes a relationship. You breached your appointment. Okay? Recognition. If for some reason you no longer want to do this, everybody's going to know it. That breaches the appointment. Don't be surprised when we ask you not to do it anymore when you don't want to do it and you, and you hadn't been doing it good to begin with and you just, your capabilities have gone out the window and you're not doing it good, don't be surprised when we say we'd just rather not you do it anymore. Now everybody's either wanting to or not wanting to work at the information desk. 
If we ask you to be a song and you don't want to, don't. Why? Because th 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 that won't work. If we ask you to, you know, play guitar and you can't, it won't work. There has to be a recognition of capabilities, a recognition of a desire. There has to be a relationship and a continued relationship. There has to be a representation. Whenever we are playing in C, you are going to have to play what Mark says play. You can't be over there representing some other song or some other place or playing it in a different way, representing yourself. I'm just going to play it in this timing, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Grant can't just decide that he's going to play, you know, a waltz beat whenever we're doing a rumba. <laughs> because if he does, he's breached the appointment. Because the appointment requires a representation of the one that appointed you. His daddy said he could do it. But his daddy can say, you can't do it now, buddy, if you're not going to do what I say do. Right? That's, that's throughout the whole word of God. It's throughout life. Appointment and disappointment. Ordination, ordained, and disappointed are both truths of life.